Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome once again to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Ben L. And with me is... Andrew Err this time. Greetings! Yes. For those who don't know what that's referencing, you'll find out. So, we are back. We covered the first half of Puzo's 200-plus page script, ending with Superman saving Lois from Luthor, or as he's called in this, Luthor Lux. Yes, it's that type of script. So, uh, we are going to dive into the rest of the script in this one. If you missed last week's, go ahead and pop on over to wherever you're listening to this or watching this, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Check out that episode first. But we're going to go into Superman 2, and I did promise you, Andrew, this this part is better than the first part. Man, I hope so, dude. That last one was rough. <laughs> Couldn't believe it from the Godfather scribe himself. There's a reason why it was rewritten so much. So, <laughs> yeah, that, anyway. That's, that's just... Oh man. oh, man. Come on, dude. But, okay, yeah. I, I, you said this at the end of the last episode, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm expecting great things from Puzo himself. Okay, well, maybe I oversold it, but we'll see. So, <laughs> okay, it's better than crap it's that at least we got better last than the time. first one. Yes, so where we left okay. off was uh, Superman discovering that Luthor has access to Kryptonite. Lois now holds the Kryptonite for safekeeping, and we go into the second half of the script that will turn into Superman 2. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the beginning of this, where Superman consults with Jor-El and Lara in the fortress where they, are say, they say that there shouldn't be a ton of kryptonite on Earth and that lead will protect him, recommending that he puts lead in his suit in order to protect himself from the kryptonite. Makes sense, right? So mm-hmm. Superman goes and creates just that, and you think, oh, he's going to put lead in his Superman suit. Wrong. He puts it in his Clark Kent business suit. Oh, great. He arrives at Lois Lane's apartment for dinner, wearing a business suit made out of lead, sewn into it. Lois... Uh, confesses to him that she actually is starting to feel attracted to him and ends up kissing him, saying that she has put two and two together. He seems to disappear whenever Superman shows up, meaning that Lois has figured out that Clark is Superman. She okay, brings up so the ultimate she's test. She's pretty smart. She's smart. This. This. Yes. Smart enough. Uh, she's written smartly. Yeah. Yes. So she decides, you know, Clark, of course, denies it. And she decides she's going to bring up the ultimate test, holding up the kryptonite that Luthor had. But since Clark is wearing lead, it does not affect him at all. And Lois is disappointed and foiled, given evidence, seeing evidence that Clark is actually not Superman. So was Clark expecting they, just kryptonite to just pop up? Like, well, he just Lois to does have suit. the kryptonite. Yes. He knows that <laughs> at this so, point. Yeah. He knows that she has it, but I don't. I don't know if he knows that she's going to spring it on him like that, but clearly he was prepared for this okay, type of situation. Yeah. But uh, we saved this for Superman 2 territory because of the fact that Superman 2 does deal with, you know, in the beginning, Lois suspecting that Clark is Superman and trying to find ways in order to prove that. So this is kind of the, the DNA begins with this script in this scene. So okay. Lois tries to convince him, well, you'll be more comfy if you take that suit jacket off. And so, uh, Clark does, but before he does that, he moves the. Uh, she has it like locked up in the suitcase. She he moves that suitcase away so that uh, he can't be affected by the kryptonite when he has the suit jacket off. So he takes it off. They eat, and Lois encourages Clark to spend the night, <laughs> but Clark refuses, and Lois decides to walk out with him instead. And before Clark can get his coat, then Lois arrives with the kryptonite. <laughs> Why does Clark refuse here, you think? Is this like, a, I'm from a conservative town and I don't have sex before marriage, Lois? Potentially, yeah. It's like that, that kind of thing? It. I think we don't want to be that. I think also it's like that plus like even the average person probably didn't want to see Superman fuck at this time. <laughs> or alluded, alluded well, to him. Well, 
we'll just go into that in a bit. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. It was the seventies, <laughs> but before Clark just after the swinging sixties, she does arrive with the kryptonite, and now Clark feels the effects of the kryptonite, proving that he is Superman. So Lois has basically outsmarted him at this point. He thought that he outsmarted her, but she knew that the business suit had something to do with it, and uh, she was proven correct. So now she knows that Clark is Superman. Now she really wants to fuck him. Yes, exactly. So that leads into them fucking uh, in the next scene. No, <laughs> we, we have a few more scenes later. But okay. the, this is kind of what leads into the other variations that we would end up seeing in the different cuts of Superman 2, where Lois ends up finding out for real that Clark is Superman, whether it's shooting him with a blank, like in the Donner cut and the screen test that Margot Kidder did, or in the theatrical cut where it's through the fire. So this is the original version of that in the Puzo script. So okay. Superman decides... Let me take you to my place. So he takes Lois to the fortress where he decides to ask his parents if he can become mortal. The AI Jorel says that out of all the questions they anticipated, this was the one they hoped he would never ask. Laura begs him not to, but alas, they leave several instructions with him on how to build a machine that can turn him mortal. And Jorel also brings up that if he decides to change his mind, he has up to 10 days to reverse the effects. There are stipulations, of course, like this. So I never like plots like this. I, I just kind of want my superheroes, generally speaking, to want to stay that way. Like this is a big thing yeah. in the X Men cartoon and X Men mm -hmm. world as well. And it's just like I want them to have, find joy in their own power. Plus, he's not immortal. He's just he's gonna apparently more than likely ages at the same mm -hmm. rate, right? So there's like no yeah. problem. He's basically going to. I think he feels like he needs to be human in order to be with Lois. He needs to quit being I, Superman. By the way, Luthor has not been caught at this point in the script. I get it. Oh yeah, true, true. <laughs> I, I get, I get, I get this, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I just personally don't like these kind of plots. I would, I would rather it, I feel be like something it's dated else at this point. Yeah, it's dated at this point. Back then, remember, if we look at the context, like just trying to put Superman in a movie that wasn't like a movie serial or a TV production, like. Superman and the Mole Men, like this was a major thing. So to deal with ideas of like, hey, like, what if he is tempted not to become Superman? Like all that type of stuff. Like that feels like, oh, like that's a deep exploration to go into for superheroes on screen in 1975 when this is written. But nowadays we're just like, okay, I saw that in Superman 2 and Spider-Man 2 and X-Men 3 and the uh, X-Men no. comic that that's based off of. Like all if those X, things. If X-Men does it in their own little movies coming up, <laughs> little, they're big tentpole films. Like I'll allow it because that's so part of their universe. It's so part of their DNA. But mm -hmm. but with this, like Superman, I, I think there is some continuity or some some idea that Superman ages slow or like really slow or something yeah but i don't know if they really follow that in every continuity as well and that's not set up in this doesn't have to be set up in this movie so i don't know just let it go my look my note to you puzo is let this go <laughs> well you it's know, what led into saying, this plot in all the other versions of superman 2 <laughs> the backbone of superman 2 is him not having the power for here but yeah it's, yeah it's puzo's idea it looks like so here okay they, there's a plot point that they don't have in the actual cut or in the later scripts. I don't think I need to take a look at them, but uh, he has up to 10 days to reverse the effects as opposed mm -hmm. to the other versions where it's just like, all right, you're just going to go into this machine and then you're going to turn human. So um, he can ne also never use this machine again is what it says. So they couldn't uh, revert well, back. Kind of the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Superman reveals that these are this actual recording he played a long, long time ago when he realized he, lo he loved Lois Lane. So the machine is already built at this point. He's already had this conversation with Jorah and Lara, and he's going to go through with it tonight. So Superman loses his power this early on. Uh, he goes into the machine. Blue fog covers him. He screams in agony. And then when he returns to Lois, he has different clothes and a different hairstyle. And Lois decides, well... How do we know for sure that you've lost your powers? And she decides to test it. She asks Clark to close his eyes, and he does. And then she punches him right in the stomach, and he doubles over, and they laugh together. He's definitely not Superman anymore. So, Could have just tried this... to put that green rock in front of his face, but all right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it has to be comedic. <laughs> yeah, I, great, Lois. I should have thought of that, says Lois. <laughs> yeah. So then we get into uh, them having a good time. They sleep together. At this point, here we are, Andrew. I told you it was going to happen. So uh, I mean, he, you know, he basically it has to happen. Get, he, he changes into being human so he can get laid, essentially, in this. <laughs> so. Oh, God, dude. Puzo All smoking a cigar that... and is like, this seems like a good plot point. Yeah. My Superman fucks. 100%. After this, Lois decides to give Superman the real human experience of getting drunk. So Superman gets hammered for a good page or so. Oh, my God. uh, Not only his first hangover, but also his first headache and pain in general. So, again, as I said, like Puzo basically wrote a comedy with this script. Great. Yep. So uh, Clark and Lois then drive back. I, I don't know how necessarily he flew her there to the fortress, but he drives her back <laughs> and takes a trip to a roadside diner. Three truckers come in, and the main one, named Dougie, complains about the diner giving his booth away to Clark and Lois. He complains and tries to have them kicked out, and Clark tries to defend them and gets the ever-loving shit kicked out of him by all three of the truckers, not just one, like in the final movie, but all three. Right. So Clark is now wounded and coming to terms with the fact that he is not Superman anymore. Now, in Superman 2, this is then followed by the whole announcement from General Zod that he's taken over and and he realizes he fucked up and he needs to become Superman again. That does not happen in the script. Clark's kind of just like, well, it sucks. I'm not Superman anymore. And then we continue through many more pages of him not having powers in this. That's, that's, that's part of the problem. You got a movie called Superman, and like for a large chunk of the movie, he's literally not Superman. It's just this kind of... I know this kind, This is in the Superman 2, and it's it's fine. It's I just, you know, it's not my, not my personal favorite. I know. Uh, I know I told you this was better than the first half, but now I'm starting to regret saying that to you when I go through nah, this. It's okay. I mean, this is... I like, and again, for the internet, I like Superman 2 also. I saw it for the first time during the pandemic, I think, and I've only seen the Donner Cut at this point. I liked it. I just, it's just this... Actually, these parts, I... it's Especially, especially these parts I don't really love. I want to see him yeah, do Superman well, shit, you know? Unfortunately, it's the stuff that you didn't love that was in the original version by Puzo and the stuff that you liked that probably comes in the later drafts. That's okay. So... Oh well, but that's that's why we cover this he so stays, that we can take a look and see. He stays non-powered for like most of the rest of this script. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. it. But he All stays right. non-powered longer in this than he does in the movie. Okay. So again, Luthor is still out there. I don't know why Superman didn't think to maybe I should hold off on this until after I catch the big criminal who tried to kill me. But maybe well, he thought I that mean, since Lois had the kryptonite, you know. I think he just wanted to get laid and wasn't thinking about much else. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the most believable part of the script. <laughs> this is this is the most relate. People said Superman's not relatable. He's relatable. Luthor, Luthor who man? He's just got he's got the tunnel vision, man. Yeah. Uh, so Clark is on the air reporting that there is a manhunt for Lex Luthor, uh, or sorry, Luthor Lux, as he's called in this. Right. Luthor right. is watching the report again, watching Superman on screen, not realizing that Superman. And smokes a Sherlock Holmes type pipe when clearly he's not using Sherlock Holmes observational skills and announces that uh, he will proceed to do the three greatest crimes of the century. Not the greatest crime of the century, like in the Donner film, but the three greatest crimes of the century in order to lure out Superman. And after his uh, basically his henchman and Miss Tessmacher or Eve in this one ask him what it's going to be, he decides that they're going to go to Rome and they're going to assassinate the Pope. So. The next wow. part of Superman 2 goes into uh, the Vatican. The news team arrives in Rome. Where There's no Lois way they would film stole. this. They're not going <laughs> to film this. Not in, so, not in the Vatican. Maybe outside of it. Maybe. They're going to build their own Vatican. In this. You know, I guess so. <laughs> but Jesus. This is why this was cut probably. Because they're just like, we already got to build Krypton. <laughs> like, we got to have you fly. We need to yeah. build a Vatican set for what? <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is too much, Puzo. So, Too big for your britches. <laughs> a boy steals Lois's purse in Rome. Clark gives chase, but uh, he is not able to track the boy down because, again, he's still Clark Kent. He's not Superman. He's only human. He is not fast enough, literally, and he ends up 
basically just not being able to, to do it. And he feels guilty about no longer being Superman. And Lois, there's a wrinkle of, of um, a, a moment for Lois to sort of feel bad about the fact that, you know, because of her, there's not going to be a Superman. And her having to deal with that as well. And so she asks, like, hey, like, do you want to go back on this because you're still in that 10-day window? But Clark is like, nope, I refuse to be Superman ever again. Well, uh, after this, we get yet another sequence of Steve Lombard <laughs> trying to do another football bet with Clark. Playing grab ass with each other, dude. <laughs> this, this is, uh... <laughs> but this kind of person exists mainly in middle school. Uh, so I kind of get I get the dynamic here, but it's mm -hmm. just it's two grown ass <laughs> men, dude. Like especially in on. this picture, like this is not really what's happening in the script. I just asked Dan, like, find me another one with Lombard harassing Clark, and it just looks like Lombard is grabbing Clark by the balls while they fall. It looks into like he's jerking him off. And they got ball. They got the word balls in here. <laughs> yes, exactly. In this so panel. Thanks, Dan, for this. But yes, Steve <laughs> Steve Lombard tries to do another football bet with Clark to see if he can uh, throw a football through the wreath of a statue. But Clark doesn't have his powers this time, so he tries his best, but he fails every single time, and he loses five hundred dollars. What so a loser! <laughs> there's a they're basically doing a contrast between Clark with powers and beating Steve, and Clark without powers and not being able to beat Steve. It seems like such a detour. Who gives a fuck yes. what Steve thinks? What does this do for us here? <laughs> As an audience. <laughs> it's just more... It's, it's Again, it's a tangent. It is stuff that is in the Superman comics, but it's... Again, there's a difference between looking at the comics and looking at the movies. Like, the movies, you're still having to represent the the character in a way, and, and the stories of the character. So... Yeah, while Steve Lombard terrorizing Clark at work might be a part of it, it's like a panel or two. It's like maybe a page, or it's like maybe like a side story, a backup yeah. thing at the end of the issue. But it's not yeah. like the main plot. <laughs> You're not. We're detouring this whole Pope assassination team so that Steve and Clark can have a ball competition. Can That's basically jerk each other on. off for fucking fifteen minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, who gives a fuck about this at all? So yeah, but we get. I, to I'm going to give Puzo the benefit of the doubt. He did the Cujo thing, did a pound of cocaine, <laughs> and just fucking 200 pages. Boom, done mm -hmm. in on a Saturday, on a Friday night, and a Saturday night. Well, Friday going. He, <laughs> Friday he went from Sunday. Friday night all night into Sunday morning, just, <laughs> brrr, just typing at the typewriter, dude. Then just fell That's... asleep on his typewriter, snoring, just drool dripping on the keys, just all day no, Sunday. No, uh, and then he turns it into Warner Brothers on Monday. Nosebleed, full Cujo style. <laughs> that so. too, yeah. So we're finally back to the Vatican plot. Lois gets a cryptic phone call saying that something terrible will happen for the ceremony that brings in the new pope and to, quote, watch for the sign of the cross. So what's going to happen? The news team watches the ceremony, and Clark figures out that the Pope is about to be assassinated. He springs into action. Again, he is Clark Kent here, so this is impressive. Uh, he is putting himself in harm's way here as a human, and he does stop the assassination. The gunman's shot goes wild. He, Clark struggles with the assassin over the gun, which then goes off, killing the assassin. And as the assassin dies, he tells Clark, quote, this is nothing before he dies. So... Uh, okay. Clark isn't sure what to make of those last words, but Lois once again asks Clark if he's sure about remaining human, but he still refuses to become Superman here. Probably because, hey, he just he was just able to save the Pope as Clark Kent, so maybe he's, you know, he could still be a hero in his own right at this point. But Lois, of course, is is terrified because she almost saw him get shot right here, and she says she'd rather he be Superman again and lose him that way than lose him, basically, from him getting killed. So... It's an interesting, like, this is, I think, the heart of the dynamic here of the whole, like, Superman losing his powers, becoming Cuban. Like, that element, I think, is what carries over into the final film. And, and I think it's this drama between the two of them that uh, really kind of helps sell it and or sort of carry it over into the final movie. We could do without all the Steve Lombard type stuff, but the drama between Clark and Lois <laughs> is definitely, like, it's, it's potent and it's been there since the Puzo draft. Right. So I do like that aspect here. 
so yeah, this is good. I like this part. At Galaxy Broadcasting, Edge assigns them to watch the demonstration of the new H-bomb, and they're all going to be risking exposure to radiation. There's a joke here where Clark says he guesses this is okay as long as the company insurance policy is doubled. So uh, they all go to they all go to uh, basically the site where they're going to be detonating this bomb. But Luthor, Lux, and Eve there are undercover already to steal the bomb. Uh, and so they go in, they shoot the soldiers and intend to steal it. Clark decides to try to stop them. He wears a radiation suit to try to do this, but Luthor wields a shovel and cuts through the suit, exposing Clark to all of the deadly radiation there. Luthor and Eve take off with the bomb as Clark gets taken away, but the doctor examines him and says that there is no hope. Clark Kent has two weeks to live due to the radiation oh. poisoning. Oh my God, this is good. No, oh, this is. I, I told you it was going to get good. We just got to sit is, through Steve Lombard and shit at this point. This is good. This is good in here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so at this point, Clark tells Lois, "Take me to the fortress." And in order to get help to take Clark to the fortress, she has to rely on other people, including Lombard and Jimmy Olsen, which means that she ends up telling them that Clark Kent is Superman. Oh my so God. now these characters come in a little bit more over here. So we're at kind of this big dramatic thing. It's, it's interesting. It feels like a big whiplash too, right? Because we get comedic shit with Lombard, this random assassination of the Pope sort of thing. But then like, this is now heavy drama. This is now right, like, okay, right. uh, this is, I, they didn't do it exactly like this, obviously in the final film, but you can see how the, the DNA of, uh, Clark giving up his powers and the drama behind that carries over because we, we didn't get anything this dire in the final film, either the theatrical cut or the Donner cut. It was kind right. of just like he gets beaten up by a trucker and then he sees Zod around. And he's just like, well, shit, I guess I got to go back. But <laughs> here he's like, no, he is dying. <laughs> if you don't become right. Superman again, you're dead. And then there is no Clark Kent or Superman. And nobody's oh, around man. to stop Luthor. So right. those are the stakes at this point. So Lois, in the act of desperation, has Lombard and Jimmy Olsen help take Clark to the fortress. They fly him over there and put him in the machine. Clark's powers are restored uh, at this point, and uh, he kind of jokes with them about how, uh, you know, he jokes with Lois to, you know, hey, punch me in the stomach this time. <laughs> of course, it doesn't work, and he's back to being Superman. So rest assured now, Andrew, he's back to being Superman. He will no longer lose his powers for the rest of the script. So wait, wait a second, wait a second. He, I missed it. I missed the key thing there. Once again, he went back into the machine and redid it. Yeah, he redid it. Okay. Now, because he's within the ten day window. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So he's fully Superman he, again. He's fully Superman again, but he can never go back in the machine and lose his powers again. Gotcha. Okay. He is Superman forever, at this point. <laughs> Should have been. That's the title. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, yeah, he is back to being Superman, and so they have a celebratory dinner at the Fortress of Solitude where he serves them champagne, and he thanks all of them for saving his life. Lois, Steve, Jimmy, and uh, he says that he'll never forget it. And Jimmy says, neither will we. And Clark says, I think you will. And Lois realizes, based off that clue, that uh, Superman is drugging the champagne with something that will enable them to forget that he's Superman. <laughs> So Lois <laughs> pretends <laughs> to drink it and pretends to pass out, but she wants we to hold can't on be to having this. We can't have Superman just straight up drugging people, dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know Steve what? It Lombard. would be different though if he had like a mind ray. It's like the same effect, but the connotation's so different, right? Like if he just got like a little Kryptonian gun from the Sports of Solitude, yeah. like you could see him kind of doing that, but him like slipping you know, roofies in their drink. Not roofies, but, you know, <laughs> shit in their drink. Well, there is memory wiping kiss in the theatrical cut of Superman, too, but I don't think he's going to yeah, do that it's... with Lombard and Jimmy Olsen. I mean, Lombard wants it, but... <laughs> Lombard clearly wants it, but... Which is, which is uh, you I know... I don't think Booz says we're going to write that in. Who wouldn't want it, I guess, from <laughs> dreamy Christopher Reeves. Um, True. Is there a line where he says, I wish I could get drunk again? <laughs> you know what? I got to go back and look because I don't think he he might have. 
he might have said that. Like he can't. He's, Superman is like it's like uh, Chris uh, Steve Rogers in Captain America One. He's like, I wish I wish I could get drunk or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's a the, the the logic behind some of these characters, unless it's like laced with some fucking Kryptonian. I don't know how Superman could get drunk or why they want to write that, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think generally he can. Right. Yeah. No, it would have to be some Kryptonian ale or something like that. Ah, yes, Kryptonian ale. Oh, maybe under a red red light. <clears throat> oh, yeah, under the red sun. Under a red so, sun, yeah. Anyway, we leave off with, it's the Fortress of Solitude. Lois has pretended to pass out and that uh, and pretending to think that, uh, pretending to basically trick Clark into thinking that uh, she has undergone the memory-wiping champagne. Steve and Jimmy Olsen have known the secret for five minutes, and they'll only know it for five minutes of this entire thing. They'll go back to being Steve and Jimmy without knowing for the rest of the script, but Lois is still holding on to knowing. And with that, I think it's time to take a, per- take a quick break. Okay, everybody, we have a new thing that we do here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Um, we are going to start every month having a new... Um, GoFundMe uh, and a charity and or charity uh, that we're going to give a shout out for and uh, this month well tell them about it Ben oh this month we are debuting this in our episode about Superman 2 and this is completely related because Valerie Perrine from Superman 1 and 2 Miss Eve Tessmacher uh, has her own GoFundMe unfortunately for the last few years uh, Miss Perrine has had to retire from acting because she is fighting Parkinson's disease. If you've been following her on Twitter, she has been auctioning off different memorabilia from her time in the movies in order to raise funds, but she is unfortunately bedbound. She has round-the-clock caregivers, and she has a GoFundMe set up through her friend in order to help her out through that, and I think it is on a lot of us as Superman fans who grew up with these movies, grew up with her as Miss Tessmacher, I think as a thank you, it would be more than appropriate for us to help her out. Yeah, so please, if you can go to her GoFundMe page, it's been uh, linked in the description here as well for everybody. Uh, If you can donate to her, that would be great. Again, she's part of the Superman legacy, and uh, let's try to help her out uh, if you can. And also, on top of that, uh, we want to also give a shout out to the uh, page where you can donate to the American Parkinson's Disease Association itself. So that will go uh, to support and education and research. Uh, so if you want to support them as well, or just them, also fine if you want. Uh, so check that out. That will also be linked. So, um, yep, we're going to be doing this. We thought that maybe we thought that we should not just be into heroes but also try to take uh an influence from all these heroes we read about all the time and at least do our part in any way that we can uh in so far as you know helping these kinds of people so so yeah if you can that'd be great and thank you very much just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral uh, for the most part uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can 
if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, it's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above, plus a, uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly, and it's like a Zoom-like call, and we have a topic at hand, or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm -hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And... That is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's bloody. And um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it. Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at SuperHousePod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even, I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is BenWanWriter.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham Vampire Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes. And curb your enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the Eighth Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. If you like cats, my son Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. You boys are so fancy. And we're back, and we're going to talk about the rest of Mario Puzo's Superman 2, starting with what the hell's going to happen with Lois as she has pretended to uh, fall asleep and uh, make Clark think that she has forgotten that he is actually Superman. So we now spend the next sequence in the Puzo script 
on a long fantasy dream sequence where Lois becomes Superwoman. We spent 30 minutes of this picture. (laughs) (laughs) So on a complete fucking could have seen Margot Kidder in her own Superwoman outfit in this. But this is obviously something from the Silver Age. It's also carried over in All-Star Superman. uh, Can you read my mind? (laughs) Well, now I can read yours. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, she dreams. Okay, so here's here's what happens. She dreams that Luthor Lux is a strong man who like is trying to get in her pants, and so she seduces him with showing her thighs and cleavage before beating him up with her powers, and they then fly off. Oh, that checks out. Yeah, <laughs> she flies <laughs> off. She flies off with Superman, and they make love, making the room and the building shake all around them, creating oh, they... earthquakes together. <laughs> they have a super fuck. They have a that's super incredible. Fuck. <laughs> I love that. I actually think that's great. I, I no notes on that one, Puzo. I told you, I'm like, it's it's not it's not as Puritan as you might have thought in the very beginning when he's just like, Yeah, I, I shouldn't stay over. Bro, that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. They should they should man, if that hasn't been done in the comics, dude, they should at least have that in the comics. Like they <laughs> they cause like, well God, where could they do it where they cause an earthquake and like if you do it in the fucking glaciers all the polar bears would die. Well, you'll think of something. You'll think of something. Some place where it won't hurt anything. Yeah. So uh, she, however, <laughs> at the end of this sex dream, she does wake up to find Superman, who knows what she was trying to do, and tells her that it won't work. He then tells her to drink the champagne for real. And she tells him that she loves him, and she takes it. And as she falls asleep, he tells her that he loves her, too. So now Lois doesn't know that Clark is Superman. At this point, what I'm like, what was dr- the point? What was that dream have to do with her taking the drink or not it doesn't i think puzo was just like you know what would be fun they super fuck all right (laughs) (laughs) on to the rest of the story (laughs) you know what you're right (laughs) never mind (laughs) we're we're envisioning he's on this cocaine binge for a weekend (laughs) that's that's good no yeah that's good (laughs) they're like mario we don't know why this is in here i'm like you're arguing with me i wrote the godfather (laughs) <laughs> I just think he's a manly man. So and he's going to have a super fuck in Antarctica. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy Olsen is at Galaxy Broadcasting. He reports about the stolen H bomb and also brings up the great news that Clark Kent from Galaxy Broadcasting is in full remission from the radiation poisoning after taking experimental drugs. That's kind of the cover uh, they give him. And I guess the cover that everybody believes since nobody else remembers what actually happened among the news crew here. Okay. Let's continue with Luthor. Luthor has Eve draft, uh, help him draft nuclear blackmail letters to all the world leaders saying that, uh, you know, basically (laughs) they're going back and forth with him having, trying to have her draft these out, but uh, she's terrible at this. And he brings up the heist was easier than writing this. So just kind of, (laughs) again, more of uh, Luthor. The idea of Luthor being surrounded by people vastly less intelligent than him seems to stem from Puzo and went into the final film. So, I guess they say right. That. It's so like Hanna Barbera cartoon, like the way was that? Yeah. Is that in the comics at all? Like I don't, I don't know much about the comics of that. I don't think it period. was that comedic. If there was ever anything like that, like I think it was just standard henchman shit, you know, where they're just yeah. like, like go kill Superman, and the guy tries to shoot at Superman with a gun, and Luthor's yeah. like, not like that, like that type of stuff. It was, it wasn't anything that was like, com- like Luthor's comic relief in this comic at least not the the main ones that i've read from the the silver age at this time so right right maybe i'm right. wrong but like from what i've read I, I haven't found anything there's not really like a, a an equivalent to otis and miss Tessmacher <clears throat> in terms of the personality that were there he might have had henchmen you know right woman but not with those personalities at least that i could find yeah nothing um, that seems like a like a cartoon yeah. like i know comics cartoons directly related but like that that relationship was just yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's fine. We'll just move on. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is, however, some interesting characterization from an unnamed henchman who is not like Otis or Miss Tessmacher. He brings up that he has cold feet because he's basically like a nuclear bomb. Luthor, I don't know about this. And he tries to turn on Luthor, saying that this is too much. Luthor goads him then into setting it off uh, there in his hideout so that uh, he's like, you want to stop me? take out the bomb. And so the henchman does try to set off the bomb only to find that when he tries to put his hand on the bomb, it passes through it. The bomb is a hologram. The real one is hidden elsewhere in the headquarters. 
and Luthor presumably then kills his henchman off screen for trying to disobey him. It's an interesting okay. moment, but also it's like the Steve Lombard part. I'm like, okay, well, why did we need this? <laughs> like, what does this right. have to do with everything else? Right. It's, a, it's just another weird tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the president of the United States re- receives the nuclear blackmail letter, but refuses to give in to Luthor's demand. Luthor is pissed that the president has uh, basically done this, but he's mostly pissed about the president accusing him of becoming a communist. So I'm going to have you read Luthor oh, Lux's response to this accusation. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> nobody but nobody believes in capitalism more than I do. That son of a bitch, I'm going to arm the bomb right now. <laughs> so Luthor then arms the bomb due to the president calling him a communist. So, <laughs> to be you fair, know, this Luthor is very Luthor. <laughs> Luthor is libertarian as fuck. We all know that. So, so uh, as he does this, Jimmy tells all of Metropolis to evacuate because the bomb is about to go off. Superman makes his way to Luthor's lair where Luthor turns on the machine that puts uh, not the bomb, but he turns on a machine that basically turns him and other henchmen into holograms. Superman turns it off, but Luthor cleverly tells him that, yeah, what you just turned off not only turned off the holograms, it also set off the bomb. So uh, basically it detonates the entire uh, thing from basically being shot into Metropolis. So Superman has basically about 15 minutes before Metropolis explodes Superman takes off to find the aircraft with the bomb. So this is similar to the missile shit in the in the 78 movie now. But right. it's just now at this point of the script. Um, it also says this is the first time that we see Superman full body flying. I'm like, this entire movie, we haven't seen him fly. Like, the, the whole you can believe a man can fly thing. This is the first time we see it. Okay. We're like, what, 150 pages in at this point? <laughs> yeah, at this point. Dude, so... come on, man. <laughs> Uh, but he takes the aircraft and he sends it out into space where it explodes. And so he saves the day. Superman gets awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And everything seems to be, you know, it's the end of all of this. And at the celebration, Clark is with Lois when he sees in the distance the faces of four certain criminals, certain <laughs> Kryptonian criminals. Now, uh, as you can see, they're kind of showing up a little late <laughs> in comparison to the Superman yeah. 2 movie. But Clark takes crew, off the Fortress Crew L's in this? Yeah, so the, just to recap, the Phantom Zone villains are not the same ones in the final movie. It's still General Zod, but with General Zod are not Ursa and Nan, but the ones from the comics. So that's Jax Ur, which ties into Andrew's name for this episode, is Andrew yes. Ur. Uh, crew L, the cousin to Jor-El. Uh, and cousin once removed, I guess, to Superman and uh, Professor Vaycox, who kind of became obscure and didn't really show up again after uh, the crisis. But... I said a professor. I said I said a professor. What now? Vaycox. Oh, okay. Um, no, so <laughs> so uh, getting serious here for a second. I could probably look this up in Google. I probably will Google it after we fucking mm-hmm. um, finish this session. But L, right? Cal L comes yeah. from like Elohim and all that. Like it's all Jewish stuff. Like God, I think, I think Kal-El means the voice of God in Hebrew or something. Hmm. Um, even the words, Michael, Mikael, that's ah, something, yeah. something God, Gabriel, uh, all these words, all these names end in L, right? Um, so E-L. So that's also in the mix here with Superman and with crew. I, I don't know. Cruel, maybe, but I wonder what Ur is. Maybe Ur is also Ooh. something. You know, I have to look that up. That's a good point. Let or us maybe know in the comments. Just, they're just like Kryptonian names is just you know one syllable names with a dash in front of it. It's <laughs> just some Ur. fucking bullshit you read at the pharmacy while your mom's getting a prescription. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> that's that's all a fucking one. No, but yeah, I mean the L the L's definitely like goes back to, I believe Hebrew. I would assume. Mm-hmm. So uh, let us know in the comments if we're off about any of this, but this is seemingly, this is what I've heard anyway. Yeah. So Clark goes to the Fortress of Solitude and he asks Jor-El about these criminals. And Jor-El brings up that they were imprisoned. They could not be rehabilitated. And uh, they were given basically a prison that they had no chance of escaping. But then Clark brings up, well, what if there was an atomic explosion? As in the atomic bomb that he just threw into space? That just broke right. open the Phantom Zone. 
uh which is then something that not carries bad out it's yeah. just out of nowhere just about really you know <laughs> yeah, because we're like, like at the third act already and then they show up like that's your third that's like i know it's good to book in but that's just not that's just yeah it's just out of nowhere kind of basically just, again why we won out with the final films because in at least the donner cut right like it was revealed that the missile that he threw out at the end of the 78 movie is the one that breaks open the phantom zone and then you got a whole movie of the phantom zone criminals showing up from like the beginning as opposed donner, to you know later on donner and mankowitz man just saving this picture <laughs> exactly so <laughs> when you look at like Puzo, this is again like the DNA is there. It's just it's all it feels all jumbled now that we have seen or grew up with these movies. And so we're just like, wait, why is why is there so little of the Kryptonian villains? You know, like un unfortunately, the when reading through it, these guys are pretty much interchangeable throughout the the story. General Zod does not become the General Zod we really know and love until later drafts, especially when Mankiewicz does the kneel before Zod line. That's right. Mankiewicz as well. Uh, and that that really brings it. The combination of that plus uh, Terrence Stamp, of course, really elevates Zod from just being like, oh, yeah, he's just another Phantom Zone villain to being like one of the top Superman villains. Whereas like in the comics, a lot of times uh, the ones that I've read during this, it's kind of he's kind of interchangeable with the others. You know, he, oh, he's, he's not, not like as, a, he's not the top dude, really. He doesn't seem like that much of the top dude. Like he's. Again, they're still he's still a formidable villain, but it's when it's stories where it's like a bunch of them. Like I read one where it was just like these four guys plus Feora. Feora was the one who was like the who stood out the most, not just because she was a woman, but because she seemed like the most evil out of them at the time. And that's she is, Superman too. She is ice cold in uh Man of Steel. I feel like they could have done more yeah. with Feora and Man of Steel. Yeah. Well, uh, they'll do more in the flash. We'll see. But. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, Ancha Trow, however you pronounce her name. Yeah, uh, she's back. Uh, she's so we we'll got see. to, yeah, we'll see what happens. But the the Phantom Zone villains are making their way towards Earth, and Superman's like, "Can we make a new Phantom Zone?" Jarrell says, "No." Uh, what? All this Kryptonian technology, single use. <laughs> We have one flaw in our technology, Kata. You can't use it more than once. They're like Kleenex. You can only use them and then they're gone. And it's then phone they call, the but you only get one. It's a phone, but you only get one call throughout the entire existence of the phone. <laughs> this is how Kryptonians work. In this. You know what? Your planet should have blown up. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. This is what that's what Clark should say to Jura at the end of this. <laughs> you know what? Your planet was single use too, man. All right. <laughs> But Jor-El brings up that they will likely enslave and imprison the planet. Superman then asks, is there any way to defeat the Phantom Zone villains? And Jor-El says, no. So oh, Superman man. still has to do what he can. He dons the lead business Clark Kent suit that he wore in the beginning, as well as the kryptonite around him. So now he's going into battle wearing lead and kryptonite to go out and confront the Phantom Zone villains who have already started wrecking Metropolis. So Superman is now fighting the Phantom Zone villains there. Jax Ur offers Superman to join them. It's Jax Ur who does this, not General Zod. Uh, but Superman refuses. The Phantom Zone villains are skeptical that he will kill them because there's only one of him and there's four of them. Uh, so they launch into a fight and Superman goes further away and tries to basically hold his own against these four guys, but it's just not enough. He hits Jax Ur hard enough that he goes into a building which collapses. This is all starting to sound very familiar, but uh, Puzo writes here in 1975, quote, the fight continues, choreographed to destroy buildings and screaming crowds of people. Dead people lie all over the city from the fallout. So now we're just in full-on Man of Steel territory at this point in 1975. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. The, the president declares martial law and Superman is presumed dead from this big fight in Metropolis that destroyed Metropolis. This is the part that feels very ahead of its time. Yes. Uh, but yes. Uh, it's, again, it's, this is where things start feeling a lot darker then in the actual Superman 2 movie, we're like, yeah, they terrorize Metropolis, but Superman more or less, you know, there's there's a lot of destruction, but it seems like he at least saves the people in that. Here it just seems like, yeah, and then a bunch of people die is kind of what it writes in the Puzo thing. Like, there's not even really, like, unlike Man of Steel, you don't really get to see a lot of the fights where you could say, like, oh, Superman could have done this, like a lot of the Man of Steel critics do. Like, it kind of just, it just becomes a montage of people and people eventually just winding up dead and there's all this destruction afterwards. We see more of the aftermath. Oh, so, uh, okay. 
it's kind of depressing but yeah uh which is again another tonal whiplash considering that we've had comedic steve lombard over clark kent's dick or clark (laughs) and lois doing a super fuck (laughs) earlier you get everything in in this You get everything in this picture. Now the city's destroying the four Phantom Zone villains. They're going to kill everyone. Okay. So uh, Superman has no choice. He leads them down into Luthor's hideout, where he uses Luthor's hologram device to duplicate himself, stumping the Phantom Zone villains and allowing him to rest, where he is found by Luthor and Eve. Luthor and Eve decide they have to help Superman. They have to give first aid. And Luthor reasons that he has to ally himself with the Man of Steel because there's only one of him, and uh, he's honest, while the four other criminals will likely try to kill Luthor. Superman offers Luthor full amnesty for his help, and they decide to work together. So the rest of this is Superman and Luthor teaming up against General Zod, Jax Ur, Professor Vacox, and Cruel, which I is pretty cool. I guess you have to. Yeah. I guess you have to. That's uh, nice. So I'm like, this sounds pretty cool. Except then Luthor goes directly to the Phantom Zone villains and tells them, hey, I'm the main criminal of Earth, like you are of Krypton, and you all, we want Superman dead, I want Superman dead, I'm just going to betray Superman, and uh, Superman wants me to tell you to go to his Fortress of Solitude in the morning. But let's attack him now. Now it's ambiguous at this point whether this is all part of the plan or Luthor's actually tried to betray him, but we'll see. There's just no way they're going to follow whatever Luthor says. It, yeah. Like, I feel like it's better if he just has one Kryptonian to fight. Mm-hmm. It's be- it's just kind of better if he's on Superman's side, I think, ultimately. But yeah. I guess his hubris got the best of him, didn't it? Yeah. Well, at the Fortress, Superman is already there creating electronic defense shields that the Kryptonians aren't able to get through without getting sent flying back. Uh, so they have to fight through that, and then they go inside and have Luthor negotiate with Superman, bringing up that it's already over. They're in his home now. They're here to conquer, and they can agree to give him the United States where they take over all the other countries. Though Professor Vacox makes a jab that he refuses to take Australia. I guess that's the joke. So okay, Vacox just hates Australians in this. That's the that's the most definable thing I could find about Professor Vacox <laughs> in this script. Great, but uh, we were <laughs> taking our time to take a to, to dunk on Australia. <laughs> For the Patreon listeners, we will dive deeper into the comic book versions of these characters, but we're just going to stick to what's in the script for this episode. We're going to learn all about they Cox. (laughs) We're going to learn all about Cox here. So Superman has them chase chase him into the blue room where they corner him, but he turns on the device inside. The machine will no longer work on his physiology because, again, you can't make yourself human more than once. But those Kryptonians are there for the first time. And so he turns on the machine and all the Phantom Zone villains lose their powers there. After it finishes, Superman then proceeds to kick all of their asses because he's got powers and they don't, and then he immediately destroys the machine, making them Earthlings forever. So, at that point, he then has Luthor serve them all familiar champagne drinks that will wipe away their memories so they can start fresh. Oh my God. <laughs> the amnesia drinks are in here, too. Yeah, it was either God. that or the amnesia kisses. Doubling down. <laughs> Superman just kisses all those dudes. <laughs> they made a robot chicken sketch out of that. <laughs> oh, they did? Okay, okay, yeah. I don't know if I've seen that or not. Well, That's hilarious. But uh, but I, I like the general idea of it, even if the the execution of how he's doing it seems a little sketch, but the idea that Superman has is that you will get to start fresh as humans on Earth without any memory of, of who you were on Krypton or having plans for power, and this will give you a second chance to actually just live out and be good men, which I like. Right. I like that aspect of it. He is completely brainwashing them in the process of doing that, but I guess you kind of have to. But I, I think that's how he's drawing the line. Where You say like, brainwash, I say ridding them of evil. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like he, <laughs> he is saying, hey, I will not kill them. I could because I got powers and they don't know, but I refuse to kill them, and instead I'm going to kind of rehabilitate them by making them regular, ordinary humans in society. Yeah, that dynamic has changed now that they don't have powers, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. everything's changed at that point, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I do like that aspect. And then Superman also tries to make Luthor drink the drink. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and Luthor, Luthor has an interesting line here, bringing up, like, how could you even be sure that being good is the best thing to do if you didn't have us as an example to horrify you? 
which is an interesting thing. Who are you as a villain without, I mean, who are you as a hero without me as a villain type of thing? I guess, but it's one less idiot to worry about, isn't it? <laughs> Superman is just like, fucking drink your drink. Yes, yeah, no. just <laughs> open up wide. So here's what's interesting. It is left ambiguous whether or not Luthor actually drinks the drink at the end of this. Oh, okay. So he gives it to Luthor, and Luthor's like, does it have the drug? And Superman claims he wouldn't do it to him after he helped him save the world. But is he just saying that? I don't know, because you know what happens? The fucking credits roll. That's it? I mean, well, I guess. Not, not quite, because in 1975, Puzo writes in a post credit scene. Awesome, dude. See, this has been part of the DNA since the get-go, dude. <laughs> it's been in there, even in a script that probably very few people have read since then. But uh, I will... It is not a tease for Brainiac or any or Mongol or anybody like that. It is simply a scene with Clark Kent giving a news report uh, while that while the Phantom Zone criminals are being rehabilitated, different countries are still mobilizing their nuclear war efforts around the world, that the world kind of still is continuing and also sort of going to shit. Uh, and Lois Lane watches as Clark gives the final line that I will have you say, Andrew, that ends the entire thing and ends this post credit scene. Not one Superman, not 10 Supermen, not 100 Supermen can save us from ourselves. The end. What a hopeful, optimistic note. <laughs> That's... <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, it's something. Isn't it? <laughs> I got to this part, I'm like, um... I mean, it's really cool that there's a post credit scene. And I... I I'll, I'll say this too that like I could see that type of line being in a Superman movie, but not as a post credit scene. I can see it as like some reporter saying it when things look all doom and gloomy 30 minutes into the Superman picture, and then the rest of the thing is about Superman restoring hope. Like that's where you put that line, but not at the very end where we're just like, oh yeah, we're staying. We had a great time at the Superman movie. He fought, he defeated the Kryptonians and Luthor, and then let's just end on a downer about all, how all of us are <laughs> fucked as humanity. Yeah, I I think it doesn't really connect with anything else in the rest of the movie if mm -hmm. the point of this movie was about like you know Superman can't save everybody but like for example his um example will help humanity mm -hmm. to begin to save itself uh then maybe we can connect that to back to being hopeful somehow. And this is also connects to, um, again, I'm thinking of our idea in our man of steel right. two pitch back in the day mm -hmm. where, you know, how does, how does, you know, Russell Crowe, Jor-El, what does he mean when he says you can save them, you can save them all. You know, it's ultimately through his example. Right. Mm -hmm. And Grant Morrison talks about this too. He said, Grant Morrison has some line in one of his interviews where he says, uh, you know, Superman's kind of the greatest idea we've ever had because he's I, look, not, I don't want to piss anybody off, but he says like, unlike Jesus, we know, we know Superman's fake. <laughs> so we, we don't have to worry if he's real or not, mm -hmm. but we still can learn from like all the good from all the, the good example from it. Right. Like it does, it doesn't have the baggage of religion, I guess is what he's trying to say. Uh, but it has all the good from it and where am i going with this anyway dude it's been a long day for me anyway this <laughs> so his last said, line <laughs> is about how we can't save ourselves yeah you know you know just if if they brought it back around to something like what i was just saying then maybe it could work but it's just yeah it's not a great line especially to end on it's just kind of off I mean, his cocaine bender was just ending at that point. The nosebleed was yeah, getting. Yeah, his high was down. He was high, yeah, he was on the way down. He had the post-nasal drip mm -hmm. going on, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he needed to do some Donner chronic with Dick Donner <laughs> and uh, go from there. Mm -hmm. It really goes to show how much of what we associate with this era is Donner and Mankiewicz behind the scenes. How much of it is them and not necessarily some of the other names that you see, even like who the names you literally see on like written by 
those are the ones who like, yeah, they had the DNA in the beginning, but it's really Tom Mankiewicz and Richard Donner who make it what it is, who take I those guess... ingredients and they really elevate it. Puzo was the first, so they Mankiewicz had to go off of what Puzo did, and who was the ones in between them? Those two, one of their others. Uh, yeah, the the Newmans, Robert Benton. Newmans, uh, Newmans, and, and Benton. I think probably a couple other uncredited writers. Okay, but Mankiewicz has that kind of final pass. It's the right? final pass that really, like, again, certain moments are are there thanks to Mankiewicz. Even like the first line from Jorel, who who um, talks about. You know, it's the sort of metal line about how this is not just no mere fantasy, sort of bring up the the illusions, the verisimilitude or the Neil before Zod line. Like, dude, this this Puzo script doesn't even have the Superman and Lois rooftop conversation. Can you read my mind type of stuff? That's not in here. I've seen like TikToks where women say that it really, even though it was written by mostly dudes, it feels like it it's uh, from the female gaze. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have like the male gaze to it that a lot of superhero movies do. Look, take that for what you will. That's just from TikToks well, I've seen was, online. One, yeah, one of them was, um, I think it's Leslie Newman. Um, okay, so it was that it was partially written by a woman. So I yeah, can, I can kind of see how how that contributed to that. But that yeah, that the addition to of that scene into the Puzo script in the later drafts really ends up selling that because I think it was it was Donner. And Mankiewicz as well, who said, like, look, it's it's this love story with Clark Kent and Lois Lane and Superman. Like, that's the backbone of this once we get to Metropolis. That's what you base a lot of the stuff around. And they were right in a way. It gave us something emotional because it's there's, there's more heart to that than just Superman's got to stop an earthquake. You know, like he's got to exactly. stop a missile. He's got to fight exactly. General Zod. When it's all based around, like, people you care about or you caring about his relationship with Lois, then you really care about those scenes. So it's again, it's just a testament to how much was brought into later ones. But it was cool to sit, take a look and see what was in the original stuff and knowing what stuff was Puzo now and what stuff was a, the later writers, what stuff was Mankiewicz and all that. And I think we have, uh, you know, sort of segued well into our Superman 2 coverage, which will be, uh, you know, basically throughout the rest of the year, considering that we have two cuts of a movie and three more scripts to cover when it comes to that. So. Oh my God. There's a lot. Yep, there's a lot for Superman 2 alone. But this was the beginning of it. And uh, with that, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan for setting up the visuals for us on the YouTube video, as well as the Spotify version. Let's take a look at some fan comments over the uh, past few weeks. Austin Marshall commented on our The Batman Deleted Scenes deep dive. Uh, as we had a discussion about uh, how come Selena isn't really considered to be Catwoman yet by Matt Reeves and company, Austin brings up people forget Catwoman was a jewel thief and a well-known criminal. In this movie, she's just a part-time safecracker and thrill seeker who is comfortable jumping off buildings. I don't know, dude. She seems pretty close to the like year one Catwoman, the Catwoman, her sister's keeper, outside of the fact that her mask is just a ski mask. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess she'll wear a suit while planning some kind of big heist in the second movie. That would be cool. Uh, that would be I think sweet. she, I think she could have showed up to steal Penguin's money in the full Catwoman costume. Maybe it could have been like, yeah. "Oh, I've met you, yeah. so I'm going to adopt this." The only thing, I mean, they could have found some way to write it in, but in the movie as it is, I don't think she was planning planning to ever really be seen. But I mean, I don't think she's really planning to be seen in any a lot of the other heists that she does in general. So. You know, that could have been a possibility, too, where she's like, you're a bat, I'm a cat. Boom. That's it. That's all the explanation <laughs> you need. <laughs> I like your style. Uh, Austin says, and I love the way Joker looks and acts in that deleted scene. Well, we I, like the I way saw he this acts. comment. He acts. <laughs> but I, I, I knew we'd find somebody, you know, there's a there's a lid for every pot. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's I knew it's just I've I, I still think maybe you're a minority. The, you know the minority of people that like that look but i don't know i don't know anyway but yes thank it works thank for you for your it comment works for you and you yeah yeah win that's out fine considering that it's you know it was released to the public people still get to see it and i like even if they change it i really doubt it's going to be that like a complete 180 from it. it's probably going to be a more toned down version of what we saw in that if if they ever really change it that much 
I don't think they're really going to do something completely the opposite of that. So we'll that's see. what me Matt Reeves likes too. I mean, you're. Mm-hmm. You there? My. Uh, I I heard like one word from you. Say something. Go into this mic real quick, then transferring okay. back over. Oh my god, dude! Is it back? Is it good? Yeah, it seems like it's back. All right. <sighs> okay. On to the next comment. Andres Corcal, uh, great video. This is on our uh, the previous Puzo part one. Some small notes. Pa Kent's death was a very important part of the pre-crisis Superman mythos. Just before he died, Clark promised him to use his powers for the good of humanity. And then Andres uh, included the comic book page where it happens. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Like, this is the this is the beginning of that. However, <clears throat> I can't completely get... Well, basically, what I mean is that, yeah, it did start in the comics, but this is also at a time where Martha dies as well. It does say that the that Clark's mom dies before uh, his dad dies, and it was the George Reeves show that has the whole, like, oh, Pa Kent dies of a heart attack, and it's just Clark and his mom at the end, which then carries over into Superman 78, and Superman 78 is more widely seen and more influential than the first episode of George Reeves's uh, Superman show. So then I think it's because of that that we get other iterations where Jonathan Kent dies of a heart attack or some variation of uh, some natural cause, whether that's in Smallville or uh, it being due to, to a tornado in Man of Steel. But yes, to be fair, Jonathan Kent did die early on in the comics, predating any of these things from happening. But thank you, Andres. Uh, also, in the post-crisis reboot, Clark was also the star of football in Smallville. I, su- I suspect it would have been coincidence in terms of it happening in the Puzo script earlier. Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a factor in uh, Burns' The Man of Steel reboot in the 80s where that happened. And they carried that over a little bit in uh, Smallville Season 4 where he's part of the, the football team. Um, I think it's... It was wise for them to do what they did in the 78 movie because it gets us on Clark's side when he's more of an outcast and less of a star due to his powers and all that stuff. It made us feel for it more, I think. But thank you, Andres. Yes, thank you. And uh, last one is from Jim. All-Star Superman also has a great take on Lex Luthor. Maybe a Luthor deep dive one day. Uh, we've only had one, and that was on the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor, but we could do one. Oh, on right. He's not the only one that we can uh, we can cover, but uh, I'm sure we'll have a whole bunch of un you know unmade Luthors when we cover the Superman hiatus because there's a ton of Lex Luthors in there. Um, there's going to be plenty to talk about when we get to get to there. But that is a shit ton of scripts to read. Thankfully, uh, <laughs> none of them are as long as the Pusan one, but it's still a lot to read. But thank you, Jim. Thank you. And uh, with that, I think we're on to the shout outs. Okay, everybody. So my mic is fucked up near the end of this goddamn episode, but here we are. We're still cooking. So we want to thank everybody here on the on the board, but some of our most recent people, including Yusuf A, Kevin R, Derek O, Renee V, and Braxton W, and uh, everybody else, other supporters as well. Thank you guys so much. And uh, we've told you about our friends... But now so we, we want, want you to do us a favor. Mm-hmm. We want you to tell all your friends about us. And maybe you have a super fuck. Consensually. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.